Blog Talk Radio. BDPAI Radio, linking business, education, and technology. The BDPAI Radio Show creates a vibrant communications platform that speaks to all BDPA stakeholders. Hosted by Fran McNeil. Technical advice by John Melanson. Sponsored by the BDPA Education and Technology Foundation. BDPAI Radio, linking business, education, and technology. Well, welcome everyone to BDPA iRadio. I'm Fran McNeil, and tonight is Tuesday, July 12th. We have an exciting lineup of guests. Joining us tonight is Mr. Earl A. Pace, Jr., founder of BDPA, chairman of the board of BDPA's Education and Technology Foundation, and also CEO of Pace Data Systems. Our second guest, is from the Philadelphia area as well, Professor Mary Beth Fassman. She is a professor at the University of Pennsylvania. She has written 10 books and will be sharing some really valuable information concerning her research and African Americans and education. Our third guest is Mr. Wes Williams, joining us from BDPA Atlanta. He is the Student Programs Director, and he'll be sharing some of his perspectives as a former BDPA student. And our final guest is Mr. Pablo Moray. He is Chapter President of BDPA Orlando, and he'll be sharing some best practices. So get ready, get set. We're ready to go and share with you really just an exciting format. And in a moment, we will take a break for some announcements, and when we come back, we'll get started with our first guest. Welcome to BDPA Internet Radio. I'm your host, Fran McNeil. Kudos to the 45 BDPA chapters across the nation and their members. And special thanks to the national, regional, and local sponsors who support BDPA and the BDPA Education and Technology Foundation. BDPA is the premier organization for people of African-American descent in the information technology industry. BDPA exists to advance the careers of African-Americans in the IT industry from the classroom to the boardroom. You can find BDPA on group site Twitter and Facebook. Well, welcome back. And Earl, thank you so much for joining us tonight. I know you travel all around the country, and I'm so excited that you're back in Philadelphia and able to help us reconnect with the founder of BDPA, IT thought leader since 1975, from the classroom to the boardroom. Welcome, Earl. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Oh, my pleasure and the audience's pleasure indeed. Well, we really have an exciting lineup of questions, so I'd like to just get started so that everyone can get a sense of um, your perspective. My first question is, looking back over the last 35 years, what are you most proud of about BDPA? Well, um, to be honest, uh, probably most proud of the fact that um, we have survived as a national organization that's uh, having an impact on this industry. Many organizations started during that uh, enlightened era of the 70s are no longer in existence. The uh, 
the 80s saw some uh, business and societal changes that indicated uh, a coming acceptance and improvement for minorities, and that promise took the uh, winds out of a lot of those organizations' sails. But BDPA is, uh, continues to drive for greater penetration in our industry at all levels, in our youth programs and our educational programs uh, are still going very well. We recognize that we were merely merely uh, racing to the starting line, and we uh, still have a marathon before us, and uh, we have to win it. Wow, those are some wonderful metaphors, sailing and racing and the marathon, and it really implies, as you stated, that we're at the beginning of a journey. And when you start a journey, it's so nice to know where you're going. So you've really set me up for the next question, which is what is your vision of CDPA given that the organization has survived and grown over the last 35 years? Well, you know, Fran, uh, my vision for BDPA actually remains the same. It continues to be a work in progress. Our original objectives were to improve the upward mobility of minorities, and particularly African Americans in the IT industry, and prepare young people to um, to enter the industry and just make the African American at large um, aware of the potentials for the industry. And we still need to pursue those objectives. Uh, when we consider that uh, African Americans, although more than 12% of the population only represent 2% or so of the IT industry, and not to mention the minuscule representation in middle and upper management. If our goal is to achieve population parity, we still have a long way to go, thus the reference earlier to a marathon. Right. Those statistics really are telling, 12% and 2%. Um, it, It really helps identify that gap. So given that there is a gap and given that we've got a long way, we're in this marathon, which is a long distance, um, and stamina is required in that kind of race, what do you see as the main obstacle or some of the major obstacles in this marathon? How are we going to get to achieve that vision? Hmm. Well, um I think at this point in time, what I see as uh, the major um, obstacle would be um, apathy. uh, We've merely opened the door to the the industry, and we've only opened it but a crack. And what we need to do is open the door completely so that those who are prepared and capable can walk through unhindered. in our industry, uh, in business in general, you know, just because a few minorities and African Americans have been promoted to high-level positions, that doesn't mean that the door to opportunity has been opened. You know, uh, where's the next wave of people that come come through to uh, to replace them? Uh, we need to keep pressure on those businesses and even to those minorities and African Americans who have assumed those positions, and um, we have to make sure that they keep that door open and make some opportunities available to African Americans as employees and businesses. So we can't be apathetic. Rather, we have to be increasing our efforts. Now, a significant contributor from a BDPA perspective, I believe, is the recent reorganization that BDPA made into a regional organization. Prior to this, BDPA's national board was just too large. 
decisions and strategies were difficult to achieve in a timely manner, and it was difficult for an individual chapter to be heard. Um, the local chapters are the lifeblood of BDPA, and they create the membership, which is our primary product. With this new regional structure, each chapter can get closer to the decision-making that affects their region and sends their um, their region's requirements back up to the uh, to the national organization through its represent their their represent uh, representatives. And um, as one of our um, members asked, this structure could create a closer relationship between the chapters and the businesses in those regions because each area of the country doesn't have the same environment and requirements and the needs and expectations of the local business leaderships might not always work with their way up to their respective national offices. So both the chapters and the businesses now will be able to interact on issues and relationships that exist in their region and BDPA chapters could be more up close and personal with their business counterparts because we want to be their food chain. Right. And, and I think in previous shows I've really heard from a number of individuals that the spirit of volunteerism is based on an individual's interest, an individual's willingness to contribute, and the opportunities to be a leader and to make an impact within the BDPA family, the BDPA community. Um, so leadership really becomes one of the opportunities and concepts that um, is a thread within many of these interviews. So one of the things that I wanted to ask you, Mr. Pace, was how do you balance the multiple leadership roles that you have within the IT industry? Because you know, just within the BDPA area, you're on the board, you're a founder, you're a CEO of your own business. So how do you balance those leadership challenges? Well, um, I, I think the um, the fact that I, I do have uh, have Pace Data Systems there, it uh, it gives me an opportunity to um, act a little un- unencumbered in uh, in the other areas um, for for years. And people would ask me this question. I would say I'm not quite sure whether uh, whether I'm I'm rather schizophrenic. I'm not sure whether I'm a a, a business owner, an entrepreneur, or whether a social and economic activist. But uh, I probably gained as much from BDPA as uh, as I gave, uh, and one helps the other. You know, of course, the foundation is constantly at- attempting to to raise dollars, and that means that you have to go out, talk to people, and, uh, and and tell them about the wonderful things that BDPA is doing. And of course, since I grew up with it, um, I can talk about those things. But you know, leadership is uh, in. If I'm characterized as a leader, is uh, is something that you do out of love, and um, regardless of how many things you have on your plate, you seem to make enough time for it. Mm-hmm. That that's uh, very powerful, and I do see that particularly with a conference coming up, it's an opportunity for a lot of people to step up in a lot of ways. What advice would you give? African Americans who want to be leaders in the IT industry. Well, um, believe it or not, I think the um, the BDPA model is uh, is rather ideal for uh, achieving some industry recognition. Now, I said the BDPA model, not just practicing that model within BDPA. 
the uh, the classroom to the boardroom model is kind of a step-by-step -step progression. Uh, you have to prepare yourself for the industry, and this really pertains to, uh, to, to any industry. You need to be prepared as you enter it. You need to develop your expertise and make sure that your contributions are, are recognizable and develop some of those um, other skills besides just, just programming and, and IT, you know, things like general accounting, budgeting, strategy, speaking, standing in front of people, making skills, those, making presentations. Those are the soft skills that round out um, a person in addition to the, uh, the technical things that they can do. And you need to volunteer for some programs so that uh, people know you outside of your area and develop your network by working with other groups within and outside your, your industry. And uh, seek organization leadership when you are in those. It's you know, just paying your dues and going to the meeting. It's not acceptable. You're not going to rise to the air to the, uh, the occasion. You've got to take advantage of some of those opportunities. You, know, you can be a, a committee uh, chairperson. You can work on on a board. You can volunteer for some of the activities. You know, everything that's done in BDPA is a volunteer. Most of our high school students are trained by volunteers. As a matter of fact, all of them are. Our IT leadership people are trained, uh, trained and, and developed by volunteers. And when you do that, you grow yourself. So it's both a selfish and a social motive when you uh, work mm. in that manner. Wow. Wow. This has been absolutely inspiring. Um, and I, I wish we had the opportunity to continue the conversation. And we don't. Uh, so one of the, I would ask, what's the final thought as you round out this uh, first of many interviews with PDPA, I Radio, um, what final thought would you leave with our audience? Yeah, I, I was hoping that you'd say that because maybe you can invite me back and I can uh, I can be a little more long-winded about some of the things that, uh, that I have to say. But kind of as a final thought, I, I wouldn't want to, um, to conclude this, this, this brief interview without mentioning the benefits of the wonderful annual conference that BDPA will be convening in, in Chicago um, the first week of August. Um, you know, those uh, of you in the audience who um, perhaps have, have not registered uh, to come there, you should really take another look at it because you'll really see that classroom to the boardroom uh, tagline in full operation. You'll, you'll be able to see uh, students having a conversation with the CIO, uh, professionals talking to people from other parts of the country and even those um, outside of the United States. Just a, a coming together of people with technical presentations, interfacing, networking, and, a, uh, and an atmosphere of mutual support. Um, if you haven't registered, do so. Um, and if you're employed, ask your boss or your manager to support you in attendance. Because uh, after all, you are his or her asset, and why wouldn't he or she want to participate in your further development? If you've been afraid or hesitant to ask, change your outlook. If the company doesn't want to assist you in improving yourself, are you in the right place for you? So come join us in, uh, in Chicago in uh, the first week of August, and I think it will be an eye-opening and a life-changing event for you. Wow. Thank you so much. I'd love that call, the call to action. Straight from the founder. Thank you so much, Mr. Pace, for joining us this evening. My pleasure. And uh, 
if everyone will have the opportunity to meet you in person in Chicago. So thank you again. Yes, this is the 33rd, and this will be the 33rd one I've attended. Well, folks, there you have it, your personal invitation. And we're going to take a quick commercial break, and when we come back, Professor Gassman will be our next guest. Register and attend the National BDPA Technology Conference and Career Expo on August 3rd through the 6th, 2011 at the Hilton Chicago in Chicago, Illinois. The conference theme is Ignite, Inspire, and Empower, the GPS of Future Technologists. Go to www.bdpa.org to register now. Wow. I'm getting excited. Well, I'm already registered. Um, and I'm getting re-excited and re-energized. And with us next is Dr. Mary Beth Gassman. She's a professor at the University of Pennsylvania. As I mentioned earlier, she has already written 10 books. And I had the opportunity to talk with her a few days ago. And she really has an exciting approach towards sharing um, the research that she's done related to higher education, specifically African-Americans in higher education at historically black colleges and universities. She's also done some extensive research on philanthropy and fundraising. She teaches courses in the history of American higher education, diversity, and some research on higher education. So Dr. Beth, Mary Beth Gasson, welcome to BDPA iRadio. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here. Oh, it really is a pleasure. You know, it's been really fascinating that your research focuses on African Americans in higher education. And when we spoke briefly, you had some wonderful background stories around your inspiration concerning why you got involved in that research. And I was hoping that you could share some of that with our audience. Absolutely. Well, I guess one of the reasons why I became so interested in studying African-American higher education is because I took a class when I was in graduate school, and my professor handed me a book, and the name of the book was The Education of Blacks in the South by James Anderson. And a lot of my students have heard me talk about this because I read that book, and the book was really an inspiration. You know, I think a lot of people, black, white, regardless of race, um, grow up learning about African-American history, hopefully, and if they do, they normally learn about African-Americans as being victims, which, of course, African-Americans have been oppressed throughout history, but they also have been, you know, leaders and activists and have taken action in their own lives and made considerable uh, contributions and change. And that book talks about those contributions and changes and that leadership, and it really shed light on many individuals that I didn't know that much about, and it piqued my curiosity. And um, from that point forward, I decided that I wanted to uh, do work on on the history and, and current um, topics related to African-American higher education. So that's how I got started, and it's been about 15 years since then. Wow, 15 years. You know, academia is really a vibrant place to pursue um, an interest, and then you have the opportunity to influence others by sharing what you know and helping them grow as well. 
What are some of the research findings and observations that you discovered and uncovered and shared with others about African Americans in science, technology, engineering, and math? So um, in the STEM areas, which covers those, um, those areas you talked about, uh, there are a number of interesting observations, and most of my research, my research has to do with historically black colleges, so I'll probably focus there. The one thing is that um, historically black colleges or HBCUs are much more likely to, um, graduates from those institutions are much more likely to pursue uh, advanced degrees, so to pursue PhDs in the STEM areas um, compared to their um, counterparts at majority institutions. And that has to do with the fact that they see role models, that the, that the um, professors use examples on a daily basis that have to do with black communities and African Americans, and also that there's this hands-on um, interaction with faculty that you don't always get in a majority institution. And then I guess another finding that I think is really important is that, and, and it's important, but it, again, it's troubling, is that more African Americans tend to go into um, uh, the um, uh, corporate area related to STEM, so pharmaceutical companies and, and other major um, STEM-related companies, whereas they tend not to stay in the um, in academe. And I, I think that there is a need for uh, African Americans in both areas, but I would really like to see more African Americans remain in the in the professoriate. And some of the reasons why they don't is that they have negative experiences during graduate school at majority institutions. They also tend to have negative experiences while they're going up for tenure at many, um, uh, you know, well-known research institutions. And so it's really important that graduate programs and research institutions pay particular attention to the experiences that blacks are having if we want to change the face of the professoriate and we want to, to make sure that more we have more teachers who are African-American. Because if we have more teachers who are African-American, more than likely we'll have more students who are African-American. And I think as a nation, um, we really need to capitalize on all of the skills that we have in order to be competitive throughout the, the world. So that really is a core recommendation based on your research. More yes. teachers, more value the experience, embrace the support, provide a supportive experience so that there are more teachers, more students, um, and, and really a more talented population. Now, you've written, I mean, that, that, that's extremely profound because you, you really don't hear that perspective on a, on a regular basis. So in, in writing the book, how did you do your research? I, I got the impression from our prior conversation that you've employed some methodologies that are slightly different, and the readers of your research book books are a little bit different than the norm. So I was hoping you could share a little bit about your process in researching and involving the people who are part of the research. Absolutely. Well, I'm trained as a historian, and so one of the things I do is a lot of oral histories. And when you do oral histories, you're trying to capture the voice of the individual. And so I've interviewed roughly four to 500 African Americans for a variety of different um, projects, many of them having to do with 
uh, the STEM areas, some of them having to do with uh, African-American doctors, um, just a whole variety of different projects. And one of the things that I really try to do is I think about my audience. And my audience, uh, by and large, is, I hope, will be African-Americans interested in these topics and others as well. But I don't write just for academic audiences because I think that I, – I actually think it's fairly unconscionable to um, – to um, to just write for academic audiences. I think it's really important, especially as someone who's in an education school that cares deeply about practice, to write in a way that is appealing to a whole variety of people. And I, I often tell people that my parents only have an eighth grade education, and so I always write my books so that, for example, my mother can read them and that they make sense to her. And um, and, and and I think you can write in very straightforward ways and still communicate um, an important message. And so I think what what I've always tried to do to set apart my work is is to write for a general audience and to write in engaging ways and to write in practical ways. For example, I have a new book um, um, called A Guide to Fundraising at Historically Black Colleges and All-Campus Approach that I wrote recently with my colleague Nelson Bowman, who's at Prairie View A&M University, which is a historically black college. And um, and in writing that book, it's completely research-based. We did a lot of interviews for it. But when you read it, you'll find that it's very practical, it's very hands-on, and we're trying to solve problems. And I, I think with all of my work, I'm, in, I'm interested in something bigger, and I'm interested in solving problems and in, in, in making a substantial difference in uh, American higher education. That is inspiring, solving problems. Gosh, what a concept. <laughs> so I, I applaud your work. Now, you said that you have additional books coming out. I think when we talked, you said four. Are they all coming out mm-hmm. this year or over a period of time? Uh, they'll be out between uh, from next academic year, so 2011-2012 uh, academic year. We professors, we think that way, so... Two in the fall and two in the spring. Oh, okay. Fair enough. (laughs) Well, we're about to close our segment, and I was hoping that in the remaining minute or so that you would share one final thought that you'd like to leave with the audience. Sure. Well, I guess one thing that I'd like to say is that there's so much that we as individuals can do to make a difference in the lives of, of children and young people. And, you know, within the school setting, for example, I think it's so important that teachers and uh, use examples that are relevant to African Americans and African American communities because there's evidence that shows that if examples are relative, uh, um, you know, relevant within the sciences and technology area, that more African American kids will continue to express an interest. And I also think that families need to be really supportive of children who want to um, pursue topics in the sciences and technology areas. Sometimes we make fun of kids like that. I mean, we all do it, and I think it's important to embrace that because we need that. We need those kids. We need the next um, child to create Facebook or Google or, or um, you know, the next Bill Gates. And in my opinion, there's no reason that person can't be African American at all. Well, I'm I'm with you. That is exciting. Well, I look forward to seeing the books in print and sharing with other individuals the important research and work that you've done. Thank you again, Dr. Gassman, for being a guest on our show, and I'd love to have you back after those books are out and the reviews are in. 
So have a great evening. Well, thank you so much. Take care. Thank you. And we're going to take a brief break, and when we come back, our next guest will be representing the student perspective, the former BDPA student perspective, and he is Mr. Wes Williams. Join us in a few moments. Go to www.bdpa.org to register now to attend the National BDPA Technology Conference and Career Expo. Experience powerful and motivating speakers, workshops, networking, and events, including the opening ceremony keynote speaker, president and chief operating officer, McDonald's Corporation, and the honorary chair and rewards gala keynote speaker, Laverne H. Council, corporate vice president and CIO of Johnson & Johnson. Wes is unique. Oh, great. Thank you. Wes is unique within BDPA. He was what involved in the BDPA high school computer competition as a high school student in Memphis. In college, he coached the BDPA Chattanooga chapter. And when he moved to Atlanta, Georgia, he continued his commitment with BDPA, serving as a coach on the high school computer competition before becoming the chapter's student programs director. Wes, thank you so much for joining us tonight. And I'm really looking forward to you sharing some of that BDPA energy. Um, so again, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm truly humbled and honored to be a guest on the show. Well, we're going to get started. I know that I had an opportunity to talk to you as well a few evenings ago. And one of the questions that I wanted the audience to hear your response for was what attracted you to BDPA originally? Um, and, and how did you get involved? And, and what got you to the point of being truly actively involved? So a lot of questions, but really, how did it start? It really started, actually, I didn't want to be a part of BDPA. Um, I was just a teenager, high school student. I was enjoying myself being a typical teenager, just being out, hanging out with friends and everything. And my mother was looking to get me on a better path, a right path, if you would. Um, both of my parents wanted to. And my older brother was a part of BDPA back in 1998. And she said to herself, well, maybe this program can also help Wes grow as an individual. So it was the last night before it was time for the deadline for everyone to turn in their paperwork to join the Memphis chapter, and I got my paperwork in at around 11.50 p.m., so I just made it on the deadline. I went to the class. I saw some of the students, became friends with some of the students. My younger brother, Trevor Williams, was also a member with us, with me, so I said, you know, I might give this a try. You know, I was actually making websites for local acts in Memphis, uh, local ra uh, uh, radio stations as well as record labels in Memphis. So I said, I'll give this a try then. And lo and behold, I actually I wound up on the computer competition team, and we won first place. And then that's when they struck a call with me. I said, this is something that I want to do not only in life, but this is something that I want to give back to. Um, the people in Memphis BDPA did so much for me. Joseph Taylor III, he was the chapter president during the time, as well as the HSCC coordinator. He just opened his arms completely to me and my family. He gave me my first white-collar job. Up to that point, I had been working at factories, um, loading trucks and uh, unloading trucks as well. 
So he gave me my first real job, my first opportunity to grow as an individual. And I said, if he can do all this for me, and he had a family as well during that time, I said, this is the least I can do is give back to BVA on a continual basis as a student. I need to give the opportunity for up-and-coming students the same opportunity that I had as a student. So it was a debt, really, that I owed to BDPA for basically saving my life and putting me in the right direction, on the right path to where I need to be. So this is something that is is, is a pleasure to do. It's something that I really don't um, look forward to walking away from anytime soon. So this is a debt that I owe BDPA. So this is me returning the favor to them. Wow. Pay it forward. That is inspiring, Wes. Now, I thought it was really um, interesting, and I, I kind of chuckled sort of when you said, hey, when, you know, we as a Chapter 1, that that kind of ignited a spark in you. And I remember reading in some of the background that the Memphis High School Computer Competition team was the first chapter to win four first-place victories in a row. I mean, that is awesome, and that started in 2001. So what was the secret? How how did you manage to do that for four years in a row? Because I'm sure there's some other chapters that are like, hey, we're going to break that record. (laughs) Okay, Freddie, just for you, I will give you the secret. The secret (laughs) is, the secret is to winning. It's the same secret that is to life. Teamwork, hard work, and dedication. And I know that kind of sounds so cliche as to say, but for me, I know that this is the model to winning. Because up to that point, I hadn't really done anything big and important. And this was my first opportunity to not only show my family, but to show myself that I can do something big and important. People think that I joke when I say this, but the Memphis chapter, during that that four-year term, we stayed up 2 to 3 o'clock in the morning some nights during competition season working with each other, asking each other questions, coding, uh, instant messaging each other, emailing each other, back and forth, some nights up to 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. And this went on for four years. We said uh, we were interviewed often after we won, and uh, reporters always asked us what was the secret. And we always said, well, we're no longer friends. We are absolutely a family. We surpassed friendship a long time ago, the first week of class. We are now family. We went to each other's um, family reunions. We went to graduations. We went to any kind of celebrations. We would often go to church with each other. And this is a group of seven to ten students at any given time that became complete family members with each other. We would go to each other's house for Sunday dinner because, you know, Grandma was cooking, and we all went over to the young lady's house to have fun and hang out. So it was never just let's be a part of the program and then once the program is over, we would never see each other again. No, we became a family. We worked hard every single day, and we were dedicated to making sure that we won, not only for ourselves but for the Memphis chapter. Because up to that point, the Memphis chapter had not been getting the respect that it deserved in VDPA like we thought they should. Mm, you know, everybody okay. been, everybody was looking at Right. Everyone looked at the big cities, you know, the Chicago's, the New York's, the Detroit's. And, you know, no one ever suspected a little country city, Memphis, to come up and take first place. Not only one time, but four times in a row. So hard work, dedication, teamwork, that is the absolute secret to winning. That, you, you told the story. You told it. <laughs> I believe it. 
<laughs> and, and that's really wonderful. Now, in your current role, and I guess really building on that, um, what are some best practices? I mean, the BDPAI radio provides an opportunity for people to hear and and understand, uh, I guess, uh, Dr. Mary Beth Gaston would say, you know, we're creating an oral history of what works. And so I wondered if you could share with the audience um, what are two ideas or practices, just keeping it relevant, that chapters might keep in mind as they attract high school and college students to BDPA? Wonderful question, wonderful question. I believe that First of all, especially gearing towards the high school students, and maybe the college students can follow in this as well, the leadership that's going to be working with the students has to be someone either young in age or young at heart. And there's no disrespect to anyone that's over 40 years old because you can still get in there and make it happen for the students. But you have to be willing to address the students as students. And some of the times chapters... Uh, get um, members and leadership that are a little bit disconnected from the generation of today. And they often say things that discourage the students from wanting to come back and participate in it. So you've got to have someone in leadership that's going to be somewhat close to the age group of the students. And I believe that's one of the reasons why I've been so, su- so successful working in VDPA in Memphis, Chattanooga, and Atlanta is because I'm not too far from the students' age groups. I also believe that you have to have um, relevance. Why should a student be a part of this? Why is it important that of all the organizations in the United States, why should I be a part of BDPA? It has to be relevant to what the students are going through in their lives. And another thing would be opportunity, having the opportunities in place for the students. And some of us just think that opportunities are solely for internships, and that's not the case. Students need a platform to be able to hang their hats on. My platform was being able to win first place. That was something that gave me the confidence to say I can do something in life, I can be something in life. So what opportunities as a chapter are you going to be able to present for the students? Are you going to be able to allow them to present applications that they create? Are you going to be able to come up to their schools as well and display some of the things that they've done? Are you going to put their work or uh, write little bios about them on the Internet? Something has to be there. Some kind of opportunities have to be there for the student to say, this is why I want to do this. So having someone close to the student's age, relevance as well as opportunities in place for the students, that I guarantee you would attract more students to your program. Mm. Well, those are those are three specific follow-up items as part of a checklist for chapters. And we've really been gathering great ideas, and those are additional ideas to add to our toolkit. Now, I know that you are excited about going to the 2011 National BDPA Technology Conference. And I would love for you to share why you are excited to go. I'm excited for a number of reasons. First of all, I get to see uh, fellow BDPA members. It's always good to see the members that you see throughout the year as well as every other conference that you get to go to. You get to see the membership. Um, You see it grow as well as well as the new workshops that they're going to be presenting. But this year in particular is very special for me. This marks my 10-year reunion 
with um, BDPA. In 2001 was the first year that I joined Memphis BDPA um, as a student, and as a result of that, we won first place. But the special thing about that too, Franny, is that the first year that I was a member in BDPA in 2001, uh, the conference was held in Chicago, Illinois. And 10 years later, it just so happens to be held back in Chicago, Illinois. So this is an extremely exciting time for my family and myself. Uh, we're trying to get some of the Memphis membership to come up to the conference, to be a part of it, so that that 10-year reunion feeling can be in effect, as well as they can see the students um, competing in the competition and hopefully route Atlanta on to first place. Oh, that sounds great. Okay. Well, I I really am so glad that you had an opportunity to kind of bring your energy into the room. Congratulations on the 10-year uh, anniversary. And, um, you know, in the remaining minute, because we do need to wrap up uh, this particular portion of the interview, and in the remaining minute, Wes, Share with us one final thought, and I know that you've got many. Um, one final thought that you'd like to leave with the audience based on your experiences with BDPA. Hard work and dedication. That is that is the biggest thing to remember in anything that you do. I graduated high school with a 1.8 GPA and a 13 on the ACT. That's a D average. And now 10 years later, I have a Master's in Divinity. That wasn't because I'm just super intelligent. It's because of hard work and dedication. That is the message that I encourage everyone to have. I'm going to. Be, I'm working on the book as well. It's called "I'm Out of the Classroom." Where's my boardroom? And that chronicalizes the time that I spend in BDPA. And it's going to be a motivational tool to help people understand why hard work and dedication is so important. And I was able to be instilled with that because of my parents, as well as Memphis BDPA and, and dedicated members of BDPA, like Wayne Hicks, who has done so much for me, um, as well as Teresa Williams and Joseph Taylor, who has also done so much for me. Hard work and dedication, I know that is the formula to being successful in life. Well, Wes, I look forward to your book when it comes out. When it comes out, I'll invite you back on the show. And thank you again so much for being a guest tonight. Have a great evening. Thank you. You too now. And we're going to just take a brief break. And when we come back, Pablo Moray will be sharing with us some of the best practices from his chapter, which is BDPA Orlando. Special thank you to honorary chairs of the National BDPA Technology Conference and Career Expo being held on August 3rd through the 6th, 2011 at the Hilton Chicago in Chicago, Illinois. Laverne H. Council, Corporate Vice President and CIO of Johnson & Johnson. Trudy McKnight, Executive Director, Small Business Partnership Program, U.S. Public Sector, Hewlett Packard Company. David D. White, Senior Vice President, Shared Services and Chief Information Officer, McDonald's Corporation. Brian Hedberg, Chief Information Officer, Healthcare Service Corporation. Mark D. Francisco, President, Premier Event Management. Go to www.bdpa.org 
To register now and experience the National BDPA Technology Conference and Career Expo. Well, welcome back to the BDPA iRadio. Tonight is July the 12th, and our final guest is Pablo More from BDPA Orlando. He served as the BDPA chapter president for a number of years, and he's had various positions within BDPA. He's a passionate advocate for BDPA, and I'm really excited that you're here, Pablo, um, and I just welcome you with open arms, and thank you for being on the show tonight. Good evening. Thank you, Fran. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Sure. So, you know, a typical question, and I'd like to ask some similar questions as each guest because it's just fascinating to hear the variety of responses and the depth of experiences that BDPA leaders have. And so I am going to ask, Pablo, what attracted you to BDPA and why are you actively involved at, in this particular case as a chapter president? Great question. What attracted me to BDPA was um, uh, was a workshop, uh, actual seminar that was um, taking place at Harvard University. I was working there at the time, and uh, Edwin Sapp and Tim Wilson uh, were at a table and basically just uh, provided information there about BDPA and joining the network. And I, as I was starting my, in my career in IT, I knew that in order to succeed and, and really get better, you need to really join a professional association, be in a, inside a, be part of a network of uh, like-minded peers. So it was from there that I, I got involved with uh, BDPA and joined the BDPA uh, Metro West, uh, Boston Metro West chapter. Okay, so you actually started in Boston, and then. Um how did you get down to the BDPA Orlando chapter? Uh, later in uh, in life, I went and uh, made a transition. I moved from Boston down to Orlando, Florida, back in July 1st of 2006. I uh, got a great career opportunity down here, and once I came down here, I searched out for the local uh, BDPA chapter. Uh, Betsy Peoples was the president there, and I got involved in the local chapter um, and as a member, took on one of the uh, uh, board positions, and uh, over the next two years, just uh, um, came to kind of become familiar with the area. That's another added benefit, also, of being part of an, an, uh, an organization. Is really when you're new to the area, being uh, being part of an organization helps you become much more familiar as people introduce you to things. So. Um, from there, I went on after two years then. I was encouraged to take on the position of uh, chapter president, um, and now I'm in my third year as uh, BDPA uh, Orlando chapter president. Mm, congratulations. And I, I, it's fascinating, again, to hear how BDPA, almost once people have the opportunity to be connected, um, it, in fact, becomes a connector as they move throughout their career, throughout the country. And uh, it's kind of funny that this year's conference brings in the concept of a GPS. Um, I, I'm almost thinking that BDPA is almost like a homing device. Um, and once you're in the family, you're in the family. So, 
Um, what's been happening in BDPA Orlando? What are some of the exciting programs or activities or actions that you'd like to share, just kind of brag, um, as well as share with the audience how it works and what works well in your area? Okay, yes. And here in Orlando, Florida, or in the South in particular, um, we're quite different as opposed to the North as far as how the workforce is and, and how people are uh, more scattered about, uh, uh, dispersed, as opposed to like uh, up North where you have uh, major cities um, and more metropolis type and, and people can congregate much easier. So one of the things that we've done down here with the Orlando chapter is make use of live meeting to provide our our audience, our members, uh, be able to partake in, in our program meetings. So if they're unable to attend in person, they can at least attend through webinars. Uh, the other thing that we've done is try to educate and bring in local resources that can really speak about the major industries that exist within Central Florida. Right now, there's a lot of economic development and growth potential, whether it's from the green technology area. So we brought in folks like from Earth Day to speak about uh, about solar power. We brought folks from Lockheed Martin to talk about what they're doing on their data centers to uh, reduce the carbon footprint. We've also touched. We've had programming and dealing with information security since cyber. Since uh, a lot of that right now, you hear that on uh, every day in the daily pages about some. Uh, hacking that is taking place and uh, uh, passwords and card numbers that are being taken. So uh, we're really trying to educate uh, and inform our stakeholders, which are our members, uh, corporate partners, the at-large communities, parents, uh, teachers. They also need to be informed as, uh, as there's a lot of cyberbullying that goes on. So providing the resources, providing the training, providing the professional development, uh, also the economic development, since we also want to encourage entrepreneurship. Um, so those are things that we really kind of uh, do and push out throughout the year. That, and, that, um, and in your chapter, have you shared some of the recorded meetings with other chapters? I mean, is there, now that you're building this body of knowledge, do you share it with teachers or you know, just to go outside of the BDPA community to the stakeholders that you mentioned. Yes, um, we do. We do have that, and um, even now, and um, most recently, um, back in December of 2010, the National BDPA website was redesigned, so it's a it's a much better platform. So, what we're looking to do is really kind of put out all that type of material that we have and resources on that so more folks can have access to that. Uh, currently, what we have it is we have it locally, and upon request, we'll go and we distribute it. We do publicize our meetings. They are uh, on the BDPA uh, national uh, website there. You can search for a chapter and find out the events also on the, on the BDPA.org site. There's a rolling calendar of activities, and there's also the BDPA group site, which also uh, posts uh, program meetings that are happening throughout the country. So there's, there's uh, information that is being pushed out there, uh, but we make that available. And for some program meetings, like uh, um, the information security one, the one that we did back in 
October of last year, we did that in conjunction with the Charlotte chapter. So there's some there that you do, again, through the use of live meeting, you can actually partner and you can share each other's resources. There's another program that was done with the Los Angeles chapter where it was on uh, open source uh, that they did there. So there's things like that that you can do more collaboration through the use of technology, and that's really uh, why we consider ourselves technology thought leaders is really kind of uh, not only speaking uh, upon the theory, but also demonstrating the practice and skill set of how to really achieve things and make use of things. Wow, that is a wonderful, you know, encapsulation of what BDPA is really about. It, it brings the practical, it gives people chances to learn, to be leaders, to collaborate, um, to share. It, it, it's very exciting. And I think that that excitement, one of the ways that everyone can get involved in that excitement is by attending the national conference. And I just wondered from your perspective, what are you looking forward to in terms of the conference? Because this year you'll have to travel to Chicago. I know uh, several years ago the conference was in Orlando. But this year it's going to be in Chicago. So what what is exciting you about the conference? Well, I'm excited to be visiting Chicago. It's been like uh, over 10 years since I was last there. So I'm looking forward to uh, visiting the Windy City in the summertime. So uh, I like that. Um, and what I love about the BDPA conference, it's really an opportunity where you can really connect with other chapter presidents, other folks from the industry. And it's really, BDPA is like once you get involved in BDPA you and, and become active, you really build some really lifelong friends. And, like, uh, it, it really is is – a family in a in a sense in the fact that the people whom you develop bonds with that you work with that you you go to these board meetings with uh that you travel with um it is it is really a, a fantastic organization a great opportunity and the thing about the conference and about BDPA is it's an, it's an opportunity where you can really develop professionally there's going to be a ton of workshops there uh, from uh, project management to IT security to uh, uh, certification types tracks to peace, uh, entrepreneurship. So there's a, a little something there for every audience, whatever uh, your interest level is. Um, and there's also going to be the uh, uh, career forum where so anyone who's looking for job opportunities can can go to the uh, career forum on, on Friday and Saturday. So. The conference really provides a, a, a great it's a great vehicle for your own career path to achieving success and and really when it comes down to success it's really you you determine your own success and and it, and and part of that is it's just like just being active going out there and uh really I just encourage people to go to bdpa.org uh register for the conference. Uh, uh, renew your membership if you uh, or sign up for BDPA. Um, definitely. Wow. Well, that is a wonderful closing statement, Pablo. I really appreciate that strong endorsement of a lot of the resources that the organization had. I mean, you did a wonderful, you know, summary of the group site, the website, the opportunities to collaborate and different ways that the conference can really rejuvenate you and restore you 
and connect you with the BDPA family. So I wanted to thank you again for taking time out of your evening to be with the BDPA audience through BDPA iRadio. Thank you, Pablo. Thank you very much, Fran. I'm glad to be here. Thank you very much. You're welcome. And before we close the show out, I'd like for everyone to hear one of our public service announcements about the BETF, which is the BDPA Education and Technology Foundation. We'll take a moment to play that 30-second PSA. The BDPA Education and Technology Foundation, a nonprofit organization that exists for the sole purpose of funding BDPA programs, scholarships, and services around the nation. Follow us on Facebook, www.facebook.com forward slash BDPA Foundation, or Twitter, www.twitter.com forward slash BDPA. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us tonight on BDPA iRadio. I want to thank our guest, Mr. Earl A. Pace, Jr., Professor Mary Beth Gassman, Mr. Wes Williams, and Mr. Pablo Morai. Thank you so much. Join us in two weeks on July the 26th when BDPA iRadio returns. BDPAI Radio, linking business, education, and technology, showcases IT entrepreneurs, technology experts, computer science academics, and people with a passion for educating our young people in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. BDPAI Radio Show is a regular exchange for BDPA members, sponsors, entrepreneurs, educational institutions, and the black community. BDPAI Radio guests link the diverse worlds of business, education, and technology.